So welcome everybody to today's episode of the Independent Teacher Podcast. And I'm so pleased to be joined by Antonia Spinks. Welcome, Antonia. Oh, thank you very much for having me. I'm really glad that you could join us today because we're going to be talking about equality, diversity, but in particular about flexible working. So I wondered if you could start by saying a little bit about your career to date. Yeah, absolutely. So I am a secondary trained English teacher and I worked in a variety of different secondary schools over my career and was a an assistant head when I had my first child. I then turned from that maternity leave and was fortunate enough to be promoted to a deputy head. I then had a second maternity leave with my second son when he was born. And I came back from that maternity leave when he was eight months old. And at that time, the secondary school that I was working in had established an academy trust and had just sponsored a local primary school that was in special measures. And so the head teacher of the school that I was at said, do you fancy doing some work in the primary school? So within a couple of months after that, I became the acting head of that school. So I was balancing at home a very, very young baby as well as leading a school. And it was a huge learning curve in many, many ways. But then since that point, I said, then I've then been the deputy of our Academy Trust. And now I co-lead our Academy Trust, which is, again, an interesting model for flexible working. Myself and my other co-lead, we share the work between us, but we work full time. Well, we did work full time, both of us sharing that lead. Co-leadership, I think, is another way of doing flexible work and that's creative and innovative and works incredibly well. So I currently co-lead the trust. This last year, this year, I spoke to my board and they've agreed this year for me to go part-time and I've just started a doctorate. So again, but just talking to flexible working there, I'm able to study as well as like be mum as well as work. And my, my progression in that way hasn't been hinted in any way. So I think that those are all important aspects I think of flexible working and how we can be really creative in schools. And flexible working and part-time working, how do those two fit together? Flexible working and part-time, so there are all kinds of different ways to work flexibly and Flexible working is about where you do your work, when you do your work, and how much of the work you do. So part-time, this is obviously how much of the work you do. So I'm on point eight, for example, and so I have point eight responsibilities, but there are different ways in which you can do flexibility. And we've learned through this pandemic, we've all proven that we can work very successfully from home for periods of time and still be able to perform in our roles. So there's the where you work, but there's also the when you work as well. For example, in, in we've got two Two of our um, colleagues across our trust, for example, they both work 10 to 2 each day, which is obviously a part time. But it's also not saying you have to do that that point six in three days, actually working 10 to 2 every single day. But in one case meant that that member of staff didn't need to pay for any childcare, could take their children, pick their children up from school each day, but still be in work every single day, having that contact, etc. So, so yeah, so part time, this is just one aspect I would suggest of flexible working. There's many, many different aspects to it. How important of equality and diversity to you in terms of your leadership? So important, absolutely integral to it. And there's obviously the equality, diversity and inclusion around all of the protected characteristics. For me as well in my career, one of the important things for me has been championing for the vulnerable and disadvantaged as well. I've I've got great joy in working in schools where the um, communities are economically less advantaged and, you know, being able to work with children in those schools to really see aspiration and have hope for the future and to break that cycle 
cycle and all of those things. So it's incredibly important to me, all of the equality, diversity and inclusion work. Also, as a female leader, followed Women Ed and Diverse Ed and all of the different grassroots organisations that work with schools are absolutely fantastic when it comes to this work. And I felt really at home and empowered by that as well. But yes, absolutely, equality, diversity, inclusion, central to my leadership. Can you say a little bit more about the Flexible Working Ambassador School project? What prompted the DfE to set it up? And a little bit about your your passion about flexible working and why we want to spread the word, really. Yeah, absolutely. Um, so I will do it in a little bit of a reverse order there. And I'll start a couple of, a few years ago, just literally just before the pandemic, the Department for Education had put out some feelers schools. It wasn't in the way in, in the work they're doing, you know, currently, which has gone lots further from that. But we got the opportunity to have some one-to-one time with Flexible Teacher Talent and Flexible Teacher Talent. And then following that, Mandy Coulter gave us such wealth, wealth of their experience and their knowledge about flexible working and how it can work in schools and it just illuminated our eyes to the need for flexible working in schools and how it can operate really really successfully because there are all kinds of both you know structural and attitudinal barriers to it I can talk about later if that comes up and and so from there it kind of piqued our interest so we began on this process of thinking about what flexible working we wanted for our schools our family of schools within Pioneer Educational Trust and then the um, Department for Education reached out for schools to bid to become flexible working ambassador schools and there are eight schools all working regionally in terms of the regional schools commissioners regions of the country one in each of those who are working brilliantly on as flexible working ambassador schools and they're working within their regions to help schools to implement flexible working practices and to and to be able to provide training more widely all kinds of different aspects of that so it's part of the department for education's recruitment and retention strategy and that's around increasing flexible working in schools it's about providing practical support for schools and it's about creating a culture that promotes flexible working raises awareness also of how it can support to diversity and well-being what are the main benefits so i would say so there are benefits for organizations and there are benefits for individuals and benefits for teams as well and so i'll talk very personally very very quickly because actually my my youngest son who's in year four has a shared arrangement this year so he's got two teachers who are teaching his class one is incredibly artsy and boho and creative and and the other teacher is very very knowledgeable on the science and the maths and and actually I can see just how much he's progressed this year and how much he's flourishing by having these two teachers with just wildly wonderfully you know diverse personalities and perspectives and ways of teaching and so that was just a very personal one so for individuals I think it provides an opportunity to achieve greater balance in your life and to be able to pursue other interests. It can help people who have caring responsibilities, but similarly, it can help people who want to pursue hobbies. They might want to have, they might have an interest. They might have a sporting interest, for example. They might want to do study. For it. And there are a whole plethora of different ways in which, you know, people want, people can work flexibly, even down to like cutting out commuting time. And, and so I think it's really linked to, I guess, the recruitment and retention strategy, thinking about supporting teachers' well-being and the impact that it can have but for organizations there's huge benefits as well it encourages diversity 
that's you know a key driver you know for organizations to look at it there is plenty of studies out there on how flexible working can improve job satisfaction staff engagement and well-being as we've talked about and it can be a really integral part to your talent management strategy if you have members of staff who through flexible working can take on roles and responsibilities and grow and develop and progress in that way then it can be a really essential part of that talent management strategy for organizations as well what about leadership? Because we get a lot of, you get to the, the, you become an assistant head, you become a deputy head, and then you still want to pursue flexible working so that you can maybe study more. Is it possible? It is possible. It's absolutely possible. I'm doing it. So so hopefully that proves it's possible. In one of our schools, all three of the senior team work flexibly. All three of them work different day, um, different hours and different days. It means that there are two members of staff, you know, two senior leaders in the school at all times hand on heart say what you what you give in terms of trust for people when they're working flexibly you get back tenfold in their loyalty to you and their motivation they feel balanced they feel supported they're better able to fulfill their roles so I would say that that whether it's a teaching member of staff whether it's a middle leader senior leader executive leader whether it's a member of your admin team or support staff any of those can be open to flexibility if you think creatively and you think outside of the box as to how you can make things work. There must be some challenges, though. Yeah, so there's lots of research into barriers to flexible working, um, all of which I would say have a solution to them. So I'll put that out there first. There are perceived and real barriers to, to flexible working, and you do need to take a strategic approach when you're doing flex. You can't just set things and think that it's going to work. It does need to be strategic and carefully thought about. So in terms of some of the structural barriers, there's timetabling that, that does become more complex, but but it's easily solvable. There are bl- plenty of ways for doing your timetable that, that can make that work. Considerations would need to be staff ratios, making sure you've got enough staff available at particular times. Cover as well, making sure, especially in a secondary school, how many people can be flexing at any particular time to still be able to have all of your safeguarding and all of your health and safety measures considered and, and thought about. And within all of that, it's about strategic planning and being really thorough in thinking through applications and set, being upfront people this is available this is not available these are the reasons why but thinking creatively about that a perceived structural barrier could be budget so for example if you have got two part-time teachers but you want them to have time overlapping what I would say to that is that you are saving a huge amount on your recruitment costs your induction efforts uh, you know all of these things take a lot of time and effort and the one that I would say is a structural thing to think about is about the intensity of the school day. When you do have people working part time, the face to face interactions that they need to have, the meetings and things like that, do get pushed into a more condensed time. So it's about thinking even more carefully about how efficient can I be with my time? How organised am I within all of that? So, so that's some of the structural consideration. In terms of the cultural and attitudinal stuff, some some people are scared it's going to open the floodgates. I can tell you this year that we've offered flexibility to every member of staff and it hasn't. Out of our 250-ish members of staff, I would say we've had 54 flexible job design requests, which isn't to go part-time or anything. It's just those tweak, little tweaks that people want to do to their timetables. For example, have a non-contact one period last period of the day at some point over a two-week period or those kinds of things so it absolutely does not open the floodgates when you start to have conversations with people about flex for most people their normal ways of operating are absolutely fine for them 
And and that's what you will experience. Another attitudinal thing is around fairness. And in terms of fairness, I'd say the fairness of process, not necessarily fairness of outcome. If you want to give every single person the opportunity to have exactly the same flexible working opportunity, then you can't, it'll be a non-starter. So you need to think about your fairness of process rather than the fairness of outcome. And Mandy Colt, that's Mandy Coulter's little, you know, soundbite. So I would recommend looking at everything that Mandy Coulter does around this because she's an expert. And lastly, just the perceived impact on children. I think it was the NUT then, and now that obviously the NEU, um, did a whole study around whether flexible working had any impact on children, and it doesn't. Because as with my example, I'd rather have my child taught by two exceptional teachers than than by one teacher who wasn't, you know, as good because we'd lost the exceptional teachers because they couldn't have flex. So yeah, so those are a few of the few of the challenges I would say. And when you make a request for flexible working, you would have to say why you wanted the flexible working. Yeah, so that is around, so so that's with the statutory request for flexible working. We can currently operate a flexible job design process that sits separate from that. And with that process, we don't ask for people. That's where people might want a period five or to be late one day or to work from home for a couple of hours or, you know, those types of things. The statutory request, yes, you do have to state it. One of the principles of our approach is we will assume that flexible working is possible unless there is a genuine operational or business reason why it can't. So when we start from that perspective, then we notice that actually we're making decisions based on not why the person's asking, but actually what they're asking for, because why that's a very personal thing. And who are we to judge the reason why they're asking for it? Is there a particular demographic within your schools that request flexible working so no 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 (laughs) we have a whole host of people asking for flexible working in 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 all kinds of different ways I think it would probably be fair to say that a number of the statutory flexible flexible working requests that we've had are from women who are carers however we have had those for men as well when we're looking at the um, flexible job design process people are wanting we haven't asked for reasons why but we know that people are wanting to study um, this year we've processed a flex- statutory request for flexible working because somebody wants to start their phd next year you know which we, we've been able to grant as well so so and we also have it coming up our first member male member of staff taking shared parental leave as well so i think where we've opened up this whole discussion around flexible working and this whole discussion around it the damage it can do when we've got unequal expectations or stigmas around things that's all begun begun to absolutely change the narrative and change the language around flexibility and roles and responsibilities yeah now I've got quite a few listeners who want to know how you can introduce it successfully what what would your one main piece of advice be So the first thing is the biggest determiner as to whether it be a success or not is the attitude of the head and the governing body. So that absolutely has to be the starting point. And what I would say is if you're not the head or the governing body, get the head and the governing body to read all of the research that's on the DfE's website, research widely about how important this is. There are a whole whole host of events that have been recorded and are available for people to listen to, including from TimeWise. So I would say absolutely do your research and go to speak to the head, the governing body, and make sure that they're on board because that's the biggest determiner of the success of flexible working in a school. What about early career teachers, people coming into the profession? How many links have you made with teacher training organisations so that new teachers know that this could be an option? 
So part of our work on flexible working has been around flexible recruitment. And so for all of our adverts, we indicate, you know, how we're how open we are to, to conversations around flexibility. And that goes for any role. And crystal ball gazing. Yeah. Do you actually think that flexible working will become the norm in most maintained schools? I genuinely hope so. And I think... I think that the pandemic has shown that there's no reason why flex can't work. So it's almost like a little bit of the Pandora's box has been opened, hasn't it? And we can see that actually people can work from home and they do, that we can, you know, operate using Teams or, you know, Zoom in different ways for things. So I think that some of the kind of like perceived ideas about what can and can't work, parents' evenings, for example, we can do parents' evenings from home online now. I'm so delighted my eldest son's just started secondary school and I'm so delighted I'm never going to have to go into that scrum. That was giving me sleepless nights thinking about parents' evening. But I also think that schools are going to have to do this because because we will lose brilliant brilliant staff from the profession if we don't and when you look at all of the statistics coming out it's it's the people who are joining the teaching profession it's the young people society-wide who are looking for greater flexibility and if schools don't if schools don't provide flexibility when companies outside are all kinds of organizations are embracing flex and if we don't keep up then I think that we're going to be in a very desperate situation so I think it's probably an imperative that schools get on board with flex otherwise we're going to be um, on a hamster wheel that we currently are where we get new start new teachers we develop those teachers only for them to leave and then we start again we need to retain teachers in the profession and enable them to thrive and feel fulfilled in their life without having to make compromises finally what do you think school leaders should do if they want to learn more about flexible working so i think that what they need to do is they need to go onto the d Department for Education's website and look at all of their flexible working resources. There are all kinds of case studies and um, template documents and all sorts of goodies on the DFE's website. I think also reach out to your local flexible working ambassador school. If you just Google it, you will find what the school is for your region and reach out to them because they're there offering brilliant support to schools up and down the country right now. There are so many webinars that have been recorded by all of the different uh, flexible working ambassador schools as well as TimeWise as part of this project so go and watch some of those the, the advice that's being given is excellent and then reach out to the experts as well as I said at the beginning you know our journey started by talking to flexible teacher talent and Mandy Coulter but there's the MTPT project and others you know who are all doing some fantastic work around flex, flexible working for schools as well so so reach out to those experts because they can provide some great one-to-one support and really you know help people to you know to to begin their journeys you know around flexible working in schools antonia it's been absolutely fascinating talking to you i know it's been very quick but i imagine that there are a lot of people who are going to be more interested in flexible working after listening to this program and as i say there were so many listeners who've been speaking to me saying that this was the program that they really wanted Mm -hmm. to listen to and find out more about such an important initiative And I just hope that more schools, more teachers certainly, can take advantage of something that will allow them to work more effectively, be more productive, and also stay within the profession. Absolutely. Thank you very much for inviting me along. Well, thank you, Antonia. Thank you for joining us. You have been listening to the Independent Teacher Podcast. If you like listening to this podcast, please consider giving us a five-star rating either on Spotify 
or Apple Podcasts.